Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians, and you'll see why we're deviating from 1 John in just a, a moment, but the certainty of the rapture, we're talking about certainties in the time of uncertainties. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, reading from verses 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul writes, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I was about seven years old. Parents were in India, ministering out in the village area. We were in the town of Anjangal. means nothing to you, but that's okay. There was, we had a mission station there. We had a bungalow, and it was kind of a long, stretched bungalow, and you had the living room, and you had my parents' bedroom. We had to walk through the parents' bedroom to get to our bedroom. And I would, after we as kids would be put to bed, I would lay there night after night, listening very intently to see if I could still hear my parents' voices in the living room. Because I knew in my little heart that if I could still hear my parents' voices, Jesus hadn't come back yet. I was scared of the rapture to come to the Lord. And I'm glad it was the fear of the rapture that brought me to the Lord because now I have the hope and the motivation of the rapture to keep me going. And that's what the hope ought to be. That's what our encouragement ought to be. And that's what John was talking about. And this is why we're, we're slipping out a little bit before we come back. In 1 John, both end of chapter 2 and beginning of uh, verse uh, beginning of chapter 3, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Ben read this earlier, we all did together. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that's what we are. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope, all who have this hope in him, purify themselves just as he is pure. The Bible tells us that there is coming a day when millions of people will be evacuated from this world in a moment. It'll be a time of chaos, never before experienced on this earth. And those of us who are watching what's happening in the world today believe that the time for that event is drawing very, very near. The event that I'm describing, of course, is what the Bible calls the rapture, or what we call the rapture. There's coming a time when a number of events are going to take place, and there's a sequence to them. 
We talked about this briefly a couple of weeks ago, but I want to lay out a chart uh, to help better visualize what's going to take place. The first thing that you see on this chart is the first coming of Christ. That's the advent, the birth of Christ uh, to this earth uh, that we're going to be celebrating in about a month or so. Then after the first coming of Christ, we have the next event. That event is the church age, and that's the age in which we are presently living in. We're living in the church age, the age between the coming of Christ the first time and the coming of Christ the second time. Then the event that's going to change everything forever is this event called the rapture. Notice the rapture shows Jesus coming from heaven, but he doesn't come all the way down to the earth. The Bible says that we're going to be caught up into the heavens to be with him. We'll be talking about that in a minute. Then we're going to be, uh, go back to heaven with him in the rapture to be with him. And after the rapture, a period of great tribulation of seven years uh, is going to take place on this earth. Then at the end of the seven year of tribulation, the second coming of Christ takes place. Now here's where the disconnect is for most people who get confused about the future. The rapture and the second coming of Christ are not the same thing. We mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. The rapture is when Jesus comes back to take his people back to heaven to be with him. Then the tribulation takes place. Then the second coming is when Jesus comes back, and the Bible said he comes with all, all, uh, all of God's people and the angels, and he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. There's a great chart that uh, Dr. Jeremiah made up, and I, I searched for it this morning. I didn't think about it until after I got here, but I'll put it out in the Sile's soul. The comparison between the rapture and Scripture verses talking about the rapture and the second coming, and the Scriptures pertaining to that. But I'll put that out so you can take a look at that and study that yourself. But part of the confusion for people is that we often lump everything into that term, second coming. It would be better to think of this as the return of Christ in two parts. Part one is a rapture to remove the church from the world. Part two, seven years later, is his second coming to establish his kingdom on earth. Did you know that for every prophecy in Scripture about Christ's first advent, there are eight about his second? In the 260 chapters of the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ, and yet it's rarely talked about, rarely thought about. That's why I want to look at it a little bit more closely this morning. It's so important for us to understand this. The rapture is actually set in motion the end time events leading to Christ's second coming. And the purpose of the rapture is to spare Christ's own people from the horrors of the tribulation, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Listen, this is an amazing verse. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Wow, that's cool. That's part of the hope that John talked about in 1 John 3, too. Dear friends, now we are children of God, um, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, all who have this hope. That's our hope. We're not going to have to go through that. This, this is why Paul, at the end of our passage, says, therefore, encourage one another. If the next thing we had to look forward to is a horribleness of the tribulation Where's the hope? 
Where's the, uh, where's the encouragement? Where's the comforting of one another that we can give to each other? I believe the hour of trial that John talks about is a, is a time of tribulation that we're not going to have to go through. Now that's something to be encouraged about. So what are the signs of his rapture? How do we know it's about to happen? I mean, there seems to be signs and prophecy about everything else that's going to be taking place. Well, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there are no signs for his rapture. The rapture could happen at any time. That's why we call it the imminency of the rapture at any moment. Now, the New Testament is filled with signs of his second coming. And as we look at what's happening in the world today, many of those signs are being fulfilled. And if the signs of the second coming are happening, that tells us that the rapture seven years before that or so is surely coming as well. That would be the closest we could get to signs of the rapture. So when we study the prophecies of the Bible, we see the gathering of Israel, even today, and see the collection of nations in Europe, and we see nations coming against Israel in this moment of history today, and shockingly so many within our own country And we see all the things that are happening on the prophetic scene. What we know is this, our redemption is drawing near. Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The Bible tells us that Jesus is going to come back and it looks more and more like we may very well be here when Jesus comes in that rapture. We don't know the date or hour. And I know every generation says it's got to be in our generation. But I want to be ready. David Jeremiah once said, I'd rather see the upper taker than the undertaker. That's pretty good. Now, according to the book of Revelation, when Jesus comes back for the second advent, every eye shall see him. But when the rapture happens, it's going to be very quickly and quietly as far as the world concerned because it's not about them. And it's the answer to the promise that uh, Jesus made in John 14. You remember when Jesus was about to go away after his disciples had finally understood uh, his death and burial and resurrection a little bit. And Jesus was preparing them for what was going to happen and they weren't getting it. And some of them said, well, where are you going? (laughs) How, how, How do we know how to get there? And Jesus said to them in verses 1 to 3, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And the rapture is a fulfillment of that promise. He has gone to heaven, he's preparing a place for us, and one day soon, he's going to come back. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? He's been been preparing this for a long time. Think about it, if the Lord prepared the earth and all the beauty and the glory of creation in six days, and he rested on the seventh, he's been preparing a place for us for the past 2,000 years. It's going to be phenomenal. Nothing else that you've ever seen in your life will be like it. And the hope of the believer is this, that before the tribulation breaks out on this earth, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return for us.
Now, the text that really teaches this truth is the passage that we read this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the Apostle Paul, the writer of this passage, begins by giving to his readers a preview of what's going to happen in the future. And he begins by trying to dispel their ignorance. In fact, in verse 13, he he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant. And it's interesting that whenever that phrase is used in Scripture, you know what it means? That there were ignorant (laughs) believers. It means that they didn't know what they needed to know. In fact, J. Vernon McGee, often very bold in his preaching, once said, the largest congregation of the world is a congregation of the ignorant brethren. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul begins by using this phrase that shows that the Thessalonians didn't understand what was going to happen. So he's writing this to dispel their ignorance because they were concerned about their loved ones. And, and rightfully so. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to them who had died before Christ returns, if they're not going to be able to be taken up. And part of the reason for the ignorance was that this was actually a new revelation that was being given to Paul. In fact, Paul called it a mystery in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. In our passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says he received this according to the Lord's word. This is a special revelation that Paul was given to share to the Thessalonians and to us. And one of the reasons we study the Bible is so that we can learn what we don't know so we don't have to continue in ignorance. That's why it's so important to open our Bibles and ask God to to give us that understanding. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit, to give us clarity in what Scriptures say. And the first thing that He does after He dispels their ignorance or tells them that I'm doing this to, to dispel the ignorance is to describe the believer's death. Now this is really interesting Notice what he says, we do not want you to be uninformed or to be ignorant about those who, the Greek says, are asleep. Those who are asleep. The word that's used of Christians who have died in the text of the New Testament is a word that means to sleep, but they use it referring to the sleep of of death. And there's a reason they use that. It's not just to to use a nice word to describe a, uh, a distasteful event. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, Paul says, Christ has risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Did you know that if you're a Christian, death is just like falling asleep? That's what the Bible says. The early Christians had a wonderful word for the burying place of their dead. The Greek word is koimaterion, and it means a rest house for strangers or a sleeping place. It's the same word from which we get our English word cemetery, actually. It's the same word was used in that day for inns and hotels and and motels, like the Holiday Inn, Ramada Inn. You expect to get up the next day, right? When you go to a hotel and go to sleep, and you're going to continue your journey the next day. This is a picture of a place where we bury our believing loved ones. The body of a believer has just been put into a hotel until the resurrection. Isn't that an interesting thought? So where's my loved one? Oh, they're just in the hotel down the road in the cemetery. That'll open up a conversation for you if you want one. One day the Lord's going to come back and that body is going to be raised up. 
It's going to be glorified. And the main truth here is that we need to remember is that just as we sleep physically and expect to wake up tomorrow in the hotels where we're uh, staying, if we're traveling, so as a Christian, when we die, we can be assured that one day when we are awakened by the return of the Lord, we'll come out of those hotels and we'll go to be with the Lord in heaven. What a great truth. What an amazing way to think about that. Now, after Paul dispels their ignorance and describes their death, he defends the believer's hope. And this is what he says. We do not want you to be ignorant about those who who sleep in death or who have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. In whom? In Jesus. Listen, the Lord Jesus came into this world to take the sting out of death. We read that passage this morning as well. And what that means is that though we do sorrow when we lose somebody we love, which is normal, we don't sorrow like the rest of the world who don't know him because we know that death is not the end. In fact, it's just the beginning of something much better than anything that we've ever experienced before. So here's why we don't have to sorrow. Here's where our hope is. What he's saying in verse 14 is that Jesus died and rose again. Um, is it, if, if he did that, is it too hard to believe that he can perform the same miracle in your life and in mine? This explains how Christ took the sting out of death for believers. He changed what would have been death into sleep by his own death. This then is the cause for not grieving you know, I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to die yet. I don't have a death wish. I just want to be ready when God's ready to take me to heaven. And I'm not afraid to go to heaven because I know that there's something far better waiting there for us because of our faith in Christ. Now in verse 15, we come to the promise of the rapture. Notice verse 15, according to the Lord's word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen to see. That's a promise. Pretty simple, right? It's going to happen. We're waiting for the coming, until the coming of the Lord. So how is it going to happen? Well, Paul kind of lays out for us in the next couple of verses sort of an outline as to how things are going to happen when the rapture occurs. First of all, there's going to be a return. Verse 6, excuse me, 16. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. God says that the next thing that's going to happen is that the skies are going to be parted and Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return to take those and only those who have trusted in him to heaven. And notice it's the Lord himself who's coming. He's not sending the Holy Spirit this time in his place. He's not sending his angels. He's not sending the disciples that have gone before him. He himself is coming. In fact, you remember when when he was taken up in the ascension, that the angel, angel said to those standing there, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven is going to come in the same manner as you saw him go into heaven. How did they see him go? They saw him go physically. 
They saw him go personally, and so we should be expect him to come back in the same way. We should be expecting him to come back physically and personally. Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. They saw him go. We'll see him come. Now, the details of the passage are really quite complete. Um, in fact, we're even given the sounds that we're going to hear when it happens. And it's a way that John's trying to describe what the sound is. It says, with a loud command, a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, three sounds that we should be listening for, the Bible is telling us. Uh, Dr. Jeremiah says it's, it's, it's a way of describing one massive sound. It's, it's, just, it's something totally different than we've ever heard before. One day we're going, to go, we're going to be going through the motions of our life, the regular daily activities, and that sound will be heard. You say, well, how are we going to know? <laughs> You'll know. You'll know. It's going to be loud, like the sound of a trumpet, like the shout of an archangel. It's going to be a sound like you've never heard before. I promise you, when you hear it, there will be no doubt. We'll know when Jesus is coming. So there's going to be a reason. Then the Bible says there will be a resurrection. And the dead in Christ, he says, will rise first, he says at the end of verse 16 there. In a split second, the Lord is going to call all believers to himself to share his glory. Those who are in Christ, not one will remain behind. The Bible says that we are going to be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of the eye, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, he says in 1 Corinthians 15. So there's going to be a return. There's going to, uh, he's going to come back. Then the dead in Christ are going to be raised. And they're going to go up first. They're going to be checked out of their motel and be raised first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them in the heavens. There will be a rapture. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. We mentioned last time that the word rapture is not in the Greek. It's not in the Hebrew in the Bible, but comes from the Latin translation of the, the Bible, rapio, to rapture or be caught up. But the Greek word that is used is harpazo, that has four variations of meaning depending on the context, and all four contribute to what Paul is trying to describe in this passage. It, it can mean to carry off by force. Christ will use His power to remove both living and deceased believers from the last enemy, which is death. It can also mean to claim for oneself eagerly. Folks, Christ purchased us with His blood. He can't wait to take us to be with Him and return and claim those who are His. It can mean to snatch away. The rapture will happen in a twinkling of an eye. And it can also mean to rescue from the danger of destruction. Isn't that an interesting uh, meaning for that? That this reinforces the idea that the rapture will save the church from the danger of the seven-year tribulation. So not only will there be a return and a resurrection and a rapture, but there will be a reunion. There's going to be a reunion. Verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Who's the them? We're going to meet our loved ones who have passed before us, 
who have been dead and buried. Great, 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 great grandparents. All the rest. And we're going to meet them in the air. Isn't that cool? They're all, they'll already have been checked out of their motel where they've been sleeping, and we're going to be caught up with them, and we're going to meet together in the air. What a wonderful reunion. Folks, that's our final place. It's going to be with Jesus. The final place where we'll be forever and ever will be with Jesus. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that comforting? In fact, that's how Paul ends this part of his letter about the rapture. The passage says that there is a purpose for us to know this truth. That's why there's a special revelation to Paul. You've got to know this. Verse 18, therefore, encourage or comfort one another with these words. The word is used as parakaleo, to encourage, to comfort. You may recognize that, that word. That's the verb form of the noun that Jesus used of the Holy Spirit that he was going to send, the parakletos, the comforter or encourager. It's a word of hope for us who believe, a word of hope that we are to encourage one another with. You know, going through life without hope, it's got to be miserable. And that hope only comes through faith in Christ. You can't have a fulfilling and joyful life without faith because there is no hope. If you don't have faith in God, if you don't believe God has a plan for your life, if you're, going, you're going to have a miserable life. It's not just think so, hope so, tell me it is so kind of emotional build-up type faith. There is a certainty in the midst of this crazy world of uncertainties that we can have right now. The Bible says that faith is a bedrock truth of life. In fact, Hebrews 10.38 says that the just shall live by faith. That's our bedrock. That's the rock upon which we stand, Jesus Christ and faith in Him. You know, the rapture of the church and the coming of Christ is the most encouraging doctrine we can ever share with people who are going through trouble. And even for those who aren't going through trouble. We're living in some pretty difficult times right now. People are having the kinds of problems they've never seen or never experienced before in their life. And Jesus says, I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you to be with me, that where I am, you may be also. A place where Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes, where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. <laughs> Isn't that going to be great? The old order of things has passed away. So in light of what Paul has presented here, here's the question we need to ask. How should we live? How should we live now? If we believe that Jesus is coming back to take us to be with him, how should we live? Well, first of all, we should be looking for Jesus. We should be looking for Him. We should be expectant. If we believe all this, we should be looking for Him. We should be anticipating it. When was the last time you ever thought about the fact that Jesus is coming back? The Bible says in Titus 2, verse 13, we are to be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are we looking for that? 
Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. Are you waiting for the Savior with expectancy? 1 Thessalonians 1.10 tells us that we are to wait for His Son from heaven. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, Cultivate an attitude of continual expectation. Great quote. Cultivate an attitude of continual expectation. Are we looking for Jesus? You know, one of the things that helps us deal with life on earth is to remember that there is life after this life. There is life elsewhere. There is life after death. And it's a life in heaven that God has provided. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Not only should we be looking for Jesus, but Scripture says we should be living for Jesus. In fact, one of the interesting things about prophecy is that whenever you see a prophetic truth in the Bible, almost inevitably connected to it is some practical admonition given to us to tell us what we should do because of it. Listen to what Paul writes in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Why? While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. David Jeremiah says, if you believe that Jesus is coming back, you can't just live any way you want. If you really believe Jesus is coming back, you don't want to be ashamed at his coming. That takes us back to our study in 1 John, doesn't it? 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, continue in him, live for him, he says, so that when he appears, we may be confident and what? Unashamed. Before him at his coming. In Revelation twenty two twelve, Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly. I am coming quickly. If Jesus came back in the next 15 minutes, would you be confident and unashamed? Would you be ready? The Bible teaches that Jesus is coming back for all those who have placed their faith in him. And if you haven't done that, you will be left behind. But today you can get your name on that reservation list. Perhaps there's somebody on Facebook that, that is listening this morning as well. You know, you can say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I don't want to be left behind. <laughs> I want to go to heaven uh, with you. I want to be there at, at your coming, at, at your rapture. Take, take me with you. I want to be included in that number. I choose to give my life to you. Simple. Nothing magic about those words. It's giving yourself to the, to the Lord. There's a song we used to sing. Ben referenced it earlier uh, this morning. When the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in. Are you in that number? You know, people want to believe that you can believe anything you want and be basically good. And since God is love, he'll understand. He'll, 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 he'll take me on my merits. He'll see that I'm not as bad as my neighbor. He'll see that I'm doing my best at trying to be good. But there's a statement that Jesus made that sounds so exclusive that in our culture today sounds offensive. 
He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And you know what? That statement is exclusive, <laughs> very exclusive. Absolutely is. If you refuse to believe in him and ask him and refuse to ask him to be Lord of your life, you are going to hell. But on the flip side of the coin, Jesus also said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever believes in him, folks, that's all inclusive. It's open for everybody, anybody who trusts in Jesus. And it comes with a promise. They shall not perish. They shall not go to hell. But they shall have eternal life. And we will be caught up with him in the rapture. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? The only way to get there is through Jesus Christ. There's no plan A, plan B, and plan C. There's one plan. It's God's plan. That's what Scripture is all about. It tells us that God has a plan whereby we can go to heaven and spend eternity with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And when the rapture comes, you'll hear the call. The voice of an archangel, the shout, trumpet of God, and you will be called to be with him. That's something to be encouraged about. That's something to be comforted about. And we are to comfort and encourage one another. We, that, that should be a burden on our hearts to share with, with our neighbors and our family that they would see and understand that we just want them to be with the Lord, be with us and join us as we are taken up to be with the Lord. Father, this morning, thank you so much for this promise. Thank you so much for the certainty that we see in your word. Thank you that you are coming back, first of all, to gather your church, those who are truly committed to you, who have submitted to you, who have asked the Lord uh, Jesus to be Lord of their lives. And Father, if there is one that's here this morning, one who may be watching this morning or later on this week as they tune in to our service, that has not made that commitment to Jesus Christ, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be speaking to them right now. They would say, Father, I, I've, I've been trying to do this all myself. I'm blowing it. I realize that I am a sinner and you can't, you can't look on sin. I cannot be accepted as I am now. Please forgive me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And you are going to be, you're going to have a smile on your face. Your arms are going to be open wide because it's only through Jesus Christ that we can come to the Father. And you'll be counting one more. Put one more in, that, uh, in, in the, uh, the, the list in the, the book of life. So when Jesus comes back, you too will go. Father, we praise you. We thank you. Thank you that we can be encouraged with us. In Jesus' name, amen.